why would you hire a bunch of people and then tell them what to do? The EOS way is if I have to make the decision for you, one of us isn't needed. So we hired them for a reason because we love them for their beautiful mind. So let's let that beautiful mind do what it was hired to do. Get out of their way. They're going to make mistakes just like we did, probably not even as bad. So let's just get out of their way. The EOS life is doing what you love with people you love, making a difference, being compensated appropriately, with time for other passions. The EOS life. Hi, I'm Mark O'Donnell, visionary at EOS Worldwide, and I'd like to welcome you to another edition of the EOS Life podcast, where we explore the why and the how of entrepreneurs actively living their ideal life. Now, not later, and not in retirement. The world of entrepreneurial freedom and the impact on those around you depends on it. Today, I have the pleasure of speaking with Eric Lindsley. Eric is the founder and CEO of Nightwatch, a building automation security integrator that simplifies complex buildings through the Internet of Things. Nightwatch began in 1993 as two brothers selling fire alarms from a truck in Battle Creek, Michigan. And due to their commitment to providing the best possible solutions and satisfying customers, they have continued to expand their operations across the United States. Eric has remained driven to provide solutions that better the lives of his customers and his employees, and is passionate about the internet of things and the positive impact this breakthrough has on modern buildings. Welcome to the show, Eric. Oh, glad to be here. I'm so grateful for you to, to be on the show and to get our listeners acquainted with you. Can you briefly tell me about yourself? What do you do? What is your role? What are you responsible for on a, on a daily, weekly basis? Oh, that'll be quick. So <laughs> I'm married. My wife and I have four kids. So uh, three girls and a boy. Boy is the youngest. Poor fella. We were outnumbered. Yeah, we started the company. We actually got a, our, our actual business name in 1994, but actually started in 1993. We uh, were located in uh, Kalamazoo, Michigan as our headquarters. True, we're across the U.S. And I think we're in 44 countries now. Wow. And the majority of that work, the, the vast majority started after EOS. You asked about what I do on a daily basis, and quite honestly, thanks to EOS and the EOS life, I go in on Wednesday mornings for an hour and a half, and then I'm out the door. So I really don't have a lot of involvement on the day-to-day, mm-hmm. but I. But one thing I never miss is my level 10. That doesn't happen. That's, what, that's the glue that keeps everything together. But that's my work schedule. Sometimes I'll go in for maybe a half day or something like that. I know that sounds bad. There's probably some people that are <laughs> hating me right now. Or jealousy, or maybe it's inspiring just a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, that's a, a little bit of background. Yeah, that, that's awesome. So as you know, the focus of this show is to help other people discover their ideal life. That hour and a half that you spend working on your business. So discovering their ideal lives, which we think is synonymous with the EOS life, which is doing what you love with people you love, making a huge impact, making a huge difference, being compensated appropriately, and having time 
to pursue other passions. So oftentimes this means you weren't always living your ideal life. You weren't always spending only an hour and a half in your business. So I'm going to just dive right in, Eric. And if you could take us to the moment and what was the moment for you that you decided that you you needed to change, that, that something wasn't working, that you needed to start diving into that ideal life? Uh, what was that moment for you? Well, this is going to sound counterintuitive at first, but about five years ago, at nighttime, I wasn't sleeping very well. And I was sitting up on the bed. My wife said, what are you thinking about? And I said, I think I need new friends. She said, what's wrong with our friends? I go, well, it's not that. But I don't have friends I can relate to. Actually, I have to go back. It was probably closer to uh, six years ago. And I had heard of EO. And, and I started with, started with EO. I, I got a hold of a company and someone I knew that was an EO member. And, and I started with EO. And, and like you do, I was sharing some issues that I had. And two of now my best friends said, uh, well, are you doing EOS? And I was like, you know, what the heck is EOS? Which I think is one of your book names. It is. And they go, uh, oh, well, we're going to introduce you to Jim Coyle. He is He's the best of the best. You know? And in this area, I, I do agree he is. He's amazing. So we started with the EOS process. And quite honestly, <laughs> as we're going through this, I'm going, oh, my gosh, there's a lot to this. This isn't one of these deals where you go for an hour, and you restructure your meetings or something, and then voila, now it's all magic. <laughs> we went through the process, and there was commitment. It was getting the team bought in and stuff like that, which is a great thing. And that's, that's how it started. So we've been, we're just approaching our fourth year is an EOS company. And in business circles, people call me the purist because everything I ever get asked, I always bring back to something I learned through EOS. And I'm in another business group now. And oftentimes, and half the group is EOS companies. Uh, they go, so what does the purist have to say? And everybody knows when they say the purist, we live EOS to the book. I just do, you know, when you find something that works, don't try to change it. So we, we live it very purely. And uh, so, so that's my nickname in, in other circles, is the, <laughs> the EOS purist. And so for our listener, you mentioned EO, that's the Entrepreneurs Organization for those of, of you who don't and are familiar with that organization. So it's a, a group of entrepreneurs who kind of come together in forum and there's uh, chapters most likely in your local area. So you should check that out too. So Eric, you wake up in the, the middle of the night, you discover you're, maybe you're still doing what you love or maybe not. And, but you needed to, to spend it with people you love, people who you could relate to. You know, where did you begin? So did you go right to EO uh, and that's where you found out? How did you find out about EO? You know, what were your steps? Well, it was actually a couple of years prior, there was a Detroit chapter and they asked me to join, but it was driving, you know, back and forth to Detroit. I'm about two and a half hours away. And it sounded very interesting, but I didn't do it. But after a couple of years of thinking and thinking, you know, I really do need people I can relate to and share problems with. I contacted the person that asked me to join the Detroit group. And he said, hey, uh, they have a Grand Rapids chapter now. And he made the introduction. So uh, sure enough, I, I met Wade Wyant. And he uh, was uh, actually just about to leave. He was uh, going to be moving out of EO. And he introduced me and uh, got me started. And, and he was leaving for positive reasons. He was actually leaving his company that he sold and things like that. So it wasn't, it wasn't a bad thing at all. So uh, he made that introduction and that happened probably within a couple of weeks. And then 
it was a few months down the road. I was just going through issues that I was suffering from. And then again, my friends were uh, now my best friends were uh, really on me to get a hold of Jim Coyle at, at EOS. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, we, we did the introduction, took the leadership team and uh, we jumped in head first. Now, I imagine that at that time you weren't only working an hour and a half. Can you tell me a little bit about what your life was like at that time, other than not being able to relate to the people around you? Yeah, it was pure chaos. I worked no less than six days a week, 12 plus hours a day. I went through a period of time just prior to that, that I was working seven days a week. And it was, uh, you know, I was at the point where it just seemed like it didn't matter how much I worked, how hard I worked and how much energy I put in, how much creativity we just couldn't get past the lid, which I realized was me, which is sad. And it's, it makes, it's really damaging to your ego that real, <laughs> to really look and go, look, you're the problem. <laughs> yeah. So, and, you know, and I had spent, and I'm not exaggerating, hundreds of thousands of dollars on personal improvement, things like that. And the, the cool thing about EOS is I learned that what a waste of money that a lot of that was because I was, it was all about me and it wasn't about everybody around me. And, you know, the old Zig Ziglar saying is you can get enough, anything you want out of life. If you help enough other people get what they want. Well, what I really liked is when we got the team involved, it wasn't my goal anymore. It was our goal and they helped to define the goal and accountability naturally happened. And when I would do certain things, say certain things, everybody understood why where before I had all this stuff in my head and I thought I was a good communicator because I talk probably too much, but I don't think I had the, I know I didn't, I didn't have the buy-in of the entire company. And that's what EOS really did is it helped pull everything together and it made it a we thing instead of a me thing. And the other thing about that, that was really cool, you know, again, very humbling is I am probably the least talented person on our leadership team. And I really mean that everybody there, and this is a good thing. They just, you know, they have very strong talents. And I used to be a lid, you know, the law of the lid. I capped that because everything kind of channeled through me. Mm -hmm. So by following the EOS model and letting them own what they're naturally good at really just, you know, put the company on fire. And I, I made myself very obsolete. Which that is absolutely frightening to a lot of people, right? Because you get your ego, your identity, your sense of self-worth is just wrapped up into your work a lot of times as an entrepreneur. And it takes a little bit of courage to step into that, right? Yeah. And the thing is, I, I will be honest, this is, this is really counterintuitive too. I got kind of depressed because nobody was asking me questions. This company is growing out of, out of sight. And every, everything from top line to profitability, I mean, everything's just been been wonderful. But nobody, I was wondering, you know, does this company even work anymore? Because nobody calls me. There's no chaos. And I kind of got depressed because it wasn't about me. <laughs> you know, so it's, it's very sad to say, but, you know, yes, my identity was the company. And when the company wasn't doing good, I felt like a complete failure. When the company was doing great, I felt like, you know, I was on top of the world. And neither one is really true, but, uh, it, it took me about a year to adjust to the fact that things don't run through me anymore. Other people have it under control and they're doing a better job than I would do anyway, as long as I give them quite honestly, 
full authority to make decisions and just get the heck out of their way. It really puts, it's like putting nitrous in a car. I mean, it just really takes off. Mm -hmm. So I'm just going to take us back just a, a little bit with, with your implementation of EOS, you start working with Jim Coyle. I imagine that because you were going in this emotional transition that not everything worked uh, quite as well as you were hoping, or maybe it took a little bit longer. Can you take us through that, what that was like, what worked, what didn't work? Sure. So what we did is we elected to not slow roll the EOS process. Uh, I don't think that's a good idea. I think personally, I think you just tear the bandaid off and you just go for it. And, and I've, I've recommended, so I've seen it done both ways. I've never seen, well, I'm not going to say I've never seen, they definitely move forward, but, but tear the bandaid off and just, you know, you're either in or you're out. So we had actually just purchased a small company. So our rollout was the introduction to the new company at the same time. <laughs> so we had everybody <laughs> at the office and it's like, welcome to the new company and you're now EOS. And so are we. So we all started the journey together for about a year and a half. I saw really no difference in the growth of our company. I saw no difference in profitability. And I was really frustrated. And I called Jim and I said, hey, we've been really working on this. And I can see all kinds of things. Everything is streamlining. People are doing what they're supposed to do, but I'm really not seeing any results. And he said, well, you know, Eric, um, that's normal. You have to grow internally before you grow externally. And that makes sense. You know, you can't just say, hey, I want to be Mr. Universe and then show up for the competition looking like I do today without lifting many weights. You know, it's going to take time to build to get to that point. But I didn't really see it at first. And I'm not kidding. I think it was within a couple months, all of a sudden, it all started to click together. And we went through a year where our profit was, I don't know, between seven and eight times. I think the following year, what had, the highest it had ever been. And we doubled our top line, but the amount of efficiency we had, I had never seen before. And I kept checking with our CFO going, is this real? Are you <laughs> sure that's real? Are you sure there's not something missing? I was getting paranoid because I'd never seen the company perform like that before. But Jim was right. He said, you know, you've got to, you have to grow internally before you grow externally. And I could see everything getting better, but it just wasn't translating the bottom line. But then all of a sudden it all caught up and... Yeah, then it took off and it's never been the same since. That is amazing. Uh, congratulations for those uh, those results. It's just fantastic. So with all of this, and you know, takes we we always say that it takes 18 to 24 months until you know everything is rolled out and, and working. And just to Jim's point, during this time, how was your time, your personal life, the time with your family? Was it basically the same until that same trigger point, or did, was it are improving sooner than that? Well, actually, the first thing that I noticed was at work was we all looked forward to seeing each other at our level 10 meeting. You know, sometimes these meetings just didn't seem to be as organized. You know, people started showing up early. I looked forward to going to the level 10. I just really liked it because we always got things done and still do. And yeah, the chaos, I started going down to about a 40 hour work week and that happened within I don't know, two or three months probably. And that's just something I had never done in my life. That just didn't exist for me. And then my wife noticed and she said, you know, you seem a lot more calm. So even if, even if the profitability and the growth wouldn't have happened, I still would do it because it simplified the business. We had a playbook for everything. 
you know, it didn't matter what it was. If it was someone had to go, we wanted to hire somebody, uh, we had to uh, reprimand, whatever it is, there's a perfectly articulated process of how to do it. And you just open up the book, go to the page, and this is how we do this. And it was so nice. And the big thing I noticed, like right now, there's a there's a talent glut. Everybody's saying, I can't get people, can't get people, can't get people. We've added 27% to our staff this year. Mm-hmm. And I have a waiting list of people to come in. My competitors, most of their best people have left and come. We have them at, we just call and they're like, yeah, sure, I'll sit down and have coffee. You know, so that has happened. We don't have a talent issue. We don't have a people issue. I hear my competitors complaining constantly. You can't find people. I can have as many as I want, but it's because I think that, you know, our culture has a reputation now in the marketplace. And I know this sounds too good to be true, but I really thought there was some exaggerating going on on the radio when I was listening to the, the news channel or whatever about all this stuff. I'm thinking, you know, I'm not feeling it. I'm not feeling it. I'm not feeling it. Still not feeling it. We can hire. I could add another 25 or 30 people in a couple months if I wanted to. It's it's not a big issue for us. And we're very picky. Sometimes it's a two-month interview process to get into our company because we're very, very picky about who we'll hire. But even with that, we have... We have to put the brakes on bringing people in versus being desperate to go find people. We only bring people in that we think share our values and are going to help us move the company forward. Yeah. And we we hear that so often with hiring and it really culture creates the attraction model. And we're not, we're just tipping the scales in our direction uh, with that. It's not like we're magically making people. Uh, They're out there for everyone, except, you know, for those with a great culture and a great environment and productivity, uh, you'll tip the scales in in your direction. So it sounds like you've done that. So with your newly freed up time, you're doing what you love, you're doing that with people you love, you're building this culture. Let's talk a, a little bit about impact. And so for you, what is your impact that you uh, want to make in the world? What's the dent in the universe? So good question. So I won't go into it for, for a lot of detail, but when I was younger, we grew up with, with very little, didn't have water or electricity in our house. It was always, you know, if we're going to or not, it was, it was, kind, of a, it was kind of a tough way to go. And you just would never think that someone like myself would ever amount to anything because, you know, I mean, literally we had hobos walking up and down the road in my neighborhood, prostitutes, mad dog, 2020 bottles broken all over the place. And it was not a good place. And I just remember thinking, man, I've got to get the heck out of here. But what I also remember was we had all these kids in my neighborhood that were brilliant, better than me at everything, everything, but they didn't have the same influences. They, they had very negative influences around them. You know, everything was, you know, crime was like the easy way to go. You could steal, sell drugs, whatever. And I used to think, isn't it sad? Because my dad as a joke threw a Zig Ziglar tape at me when I was about uh, 15 and said, here, you need to fix your attitude. He got it at this place called Big Lots for a dollar. It was in the dollar bin, believe it or not. So I listened, I was actually going to record some rap music over it, but I listened to it first. I was like, wow, you know, I'd never heard words like this before. And that, that started to get me thinking. But uh, when you talk about debt in the universe type thing, so there's two parts to that. One is through business. One is on the other side. So on the business side, what I learned uh, from Maxwell, which is very true, uh, leaders create leaders, but great leaders create leaders that create leaders. 
So everything I do, I'm trying to get to the last person of the company, like the people who are actually doing the work in the field and hoping that we grow leaders there that can come up. And I've seen people come to making maybe $35,000 a year to making more than I even want to say on this podcast. <laughs> but I've seen some huge turnarounds. And, and that really makes me happy, very humble, grateful. And it makes me feel very fulfilled. Yeah. On the other side of it, and, and my dream has never changed, I would like, like to find a way to reach, and I'm working on that now, those kids that had all the brilliance, but the environment was bad and shown that there is a path out. Mm-hmm. So that would be the the dent in the universe, because if if everything you do is just for you, what a lonely that's like playing golf by yourself. You know, you make a hole in one and no one's there to see it. You, you really have got to share and give away. And and that's how things come back. Yeah. So that's what I would like to do. The one point I want to make that, that I didn't make in EOS is definitely a huge part of this. The biggest part of it is um, I was always mentally distracted. So when I was at home, I was at work. When I was at work, I was at home. Yeah, I was never anywhere. And my wife's noticed, my kids have noticed. I mean, my kids call me all the time, which never happened before. I think they just saw me as Mr. Grouch, <laughs> <laughs> like the Sesame Street guy. So anyway, uh, but, but you know, my daughter calls like almost every day. Hey, dad, what's up? And she's in college in Alabama. And um, but my relationships with my friends and my family is better than I ever thought it would ever be. But it's because I'm not so distracted. I don't have this constant anxiety that I used to walk around with. So I, I think that's been a, a really big thing. And I just wanted to note that, but those are the two areas I want to make, continue to make an impact. Getting back to uh, the big dent in the universe is cre- continue to create leaders that create leaders. And we're seeing a lot of that success happen now within our company. A lot of people are coming up, which is awesome. And then outside of the company, I would like to be able to do the same thing. And I, I love all of that. So you already mentioned being compensated well, so we won't dig into that very much. But if we look at time to pursue other passions before we started recording here, uh, you mentioned that you, you live in the in the country and you like to fly planes. Is that your passion? Tell us a little bit about that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So basically, my life is uh, family business and airplanes. Some people would argue it's airplanes and that's it. But so uh, I, I have two airplanes. I have a, a bush plane, like an Alaskan bush plane, big tundra tires, snow skis. And I'm getting floats for it now. So you can land, take off and land on water. And the other thing is it's kind of like a top fuel dragster in the sky. I fly what's called a Pitts S2B, fully aerobatic smoke system. The thing I've done competition, stuff like that. Yeah. So we bought this nice place. We've got 80 acres out here, a private lake that uh, I share with my neighbor where he takes off and lands with his float plane. Yeah, so I have a, a hanger down on the water, a hanger up top. And and now I can uh, fly and get my adrenaline fix, which I really love. Or, you know, I like the uh, like to head out west, you know, to the Continental Divide, stuff like that. My uh, friend, Actually, my two really good friends from EO, every year we go out to Montana. We drop down in and where you can only get by airplane. And then we take our backpacks and we head out for a week or so and go fly fishing. And, and I love just being out in nature. I love aviation. I have since I was a little kid. The fact that I even, from where I came from, I just keep, every day I feel like I'm going to wake up and this dream is going to come to an end. I can't believe that I'm even here. It's nothing that anybody would ever anticipate. So I feel like I've won the lotto like five times in a row. 
but that's what I do. That's where I spend a lot of my time. And then, of course, uh, we do have friends, the same friends. I didn't get rid of the, my other friends, <laughs> <laughs> but I needed some friends that could relate to my issues. Yeah. And, and the kids, you know, some of the friends we had, you know, they're a school teacher or whatever. And, you know, they can't really relate to some of the same business problems and struggles that you have. And actually through EOS, I've made other friends with other EOS companies. And it's really nice just to be able to, to share information back and forth. But that's it. My life is actually very simple now. Um, you know, we have, uh, you know, I've, I've got my family, friends, business, aviation, and working on some of those areas I can give back. And that's it. It's actually very simple, which is very different than it used to be. It was all spattered about and, you know, chaos. Mm -hmm. So we know that living your EOS life, which you clearly are, is a journey. And so it's never perfect. What part of your EOS life are you working on right now and, and what's next for you? So the big thing is, you know, it's really the, my primary focus is create leaders that create leaders. Uh, so we have, this is one very small difference that, that we have from EOS, and, but I think it's compatible. Everybody at our company has a, a little card in their wallet and it's a decision card. As it says, is it good for the customer? Is it good for the company? Is it ethical? Are you willing to be held accountable for it? Make the decision. Need a ladder rack for your truck? Go buy it. You need something? Go buy it. You want to do something for a customer? Go do it. Don't ask anybody. Just do. Mm. Because ultimately, you have all the information. One of the things I recognized is that, and I'm going to lose track of the question you asked because I tend to do this, but anyway, <laughs> I'll get back on task. We did that, but really focusing on creating leaders that create leaders because that's really the success recipe to a company that's going to grow and thrive. We don't just take anybody and bring them in. So we know what we're looking for, people that have our five core values and seem like they're ignited by what the company wants to do and where they're willing to go or, or where we're headed and, and, and they're willing to go there with us. And on the, the work side, I mean, that that's really my focus. I don't have a big focus anywhere else because all those other positions are doing very well. And I don't need to get involved in that. We have leaders for that. So for me, it's, it's really just that voice that's trying to drive some very simple messages out to, I call it the edge, but the people that are working in the field. So Eric, could you do me a favor and repeat those questions that you have your employees ask? I think it's important okay. for people to hear. So is it good for the customer? Is it good for the company? Is it ethical? Are you willing to be held accountable for it? If the answers are yes, just make the decision and move on. So my grandfather ran the third largest company in the world. He was a man of few words. When I was about 10 years old, I asked him, hey, grandpa, how do you have over 100,000 employees? He goes, good decision, bad decision, make a decision, move on. And I go, what? He goes, good decision, bad decision, make a decision and move on. So I thought about that. Then I went back to him. I was always curious about him because he was just kind of a quiet guy, but I knew he was a successful guy. <laughs> and I go, hey, you said about that good decision, bad decision stuff. What if you make the wrong decision? Because So he, he didn't roll his eyes, but I could feel it in the way he took a breath. He goes, listen, Spike, that was my nickname. He goes, indecision will kill you worse than making a decision. You use the information that you have and you make the decision because indecision will kill you. You have to make decisions and you have to move on. So I thought about that. And if you want to know why that decision card came out, I was really frustrated one day. I was walking clients through our building back when I was more 
you know, into that. And a person in the back room said, hey, Eric, do you think I should order trash bags? And, I, and it kind of hit me. And I was actually kind of frustrated because it, it, to me, it was a bad reflection of me. So I went to Darren, our um, COO, and I said, hey, Darren, I was just asked this question. He goes, man, he shouldn't ask that. I go, no, 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 no. This is our fault. This is our fault. Remember, they're going to act how we do. He felt like he needed to ask me that question. Should we order trash bags? Are you kidding me? I go, so this, this is an issue. So we thought about it, and then we came up with a decision card. And there you go. That's, that's how that got implemented, because we thought about, why would, you, why would you think that you have to ask? I wouldn't care if he bought something for $2,000, $5,000, if he thought it was the right thing. And if you made a mistake, whatever, like we tell, what we talk to our staff about is go ahead and make the decision. No one's made more wrong decisions than Eric Lindsley. And second is my right hand man. I mean, we've made all kinds of decisions that are wrong. And, you know, you're closest to the information, closest to the customer, closest to the situation. You know what needs to be done. Just go ahead and do it. And I will tell you, some people are very uncomfortable, especially if they come from a company where they have a very dictatorial leader that doesn't give them freedom, we brought in a new VP of sales. And, and part of how we attracted him was we asked, he was bought out by a multi-billion dollar company, his company was, and they had a good company before. And I said, so how many approvals does it take for you to get anything done? Five? And he goes, maybe more. And I go, wow, okay. I go, so by the time you're getting approvals, we've already, we've already won the sale and moved on to the next thing. What if you didn't have to get any approvals? And you know, I remember about six months in, he goes, you know, I think I finally got adjusted to this whole just make the decision. He goes, it felt so foreign to me. I always felt like there was this oversight that's going to come in and judge me for making the wrong decision. He goes, I finally get it. You really mean what you say. Well, that's why it's printed out on a card and everybody's wallet or purse at Nightwatch. Uh, we expect you to have that card. The other, If you flip it over, then there's your core values. But make the decision because all we're doing is slowing down the train. If you hired appropriately, why would you hire a bunch of people and then tell them what to do? The EOS way is if I have to make the decision for you, one of us isn't needed. So we hired them for a reason because we love them for their beautiful mind. So let's let that beautiful mind do what it was hired to do. Get out of their way. They're going to make mistakes just like we did, probably not even as bad. So let's just get out of their way. Let them do it. I mean, that is just masterful, masterful stuff. And I hope people who are listening uh, take heed to all of that. So Eric, as we move to a, a conclusion here, based on what you know now and where you're at in your journey, what is one piece of advice that you'd offer the listener for achieving their EOS life? If you haven't already given it to them. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, good question. I think the first thing is uh, you've got to do it. Don't second guess it. Don't second guess yourself. The money that you're going to spend on it is nothing. I can't even quantify how much money I've made more than EOS, more than 100 times the investment easily. Um, jump in. Don't doubt. We ran into a couple struggles, uh, well, a couple things that I didn't talk about. So our leadership team, here's a beautiful thing that happens with EOS, and it's very important, and, and you just have to accept it as part of the process. People are going to leave and people are going to come. You're going to have people that, you know, what used to be an A player at night watch is a C or a C minus now. And I can honestly say that people that we thought were our very, very best are not our very, very best anymore. And a lot of people 
became better than they ever thought or we ever thought they could. They just grew. But even on our leadership team, we had a couple of positions where they, we call a self-select. And they said, hey, this is just not me. And then it opened up the door for someone else to come in mm-hmm. that really plugged in nicely. And uh, that didn't mean they left the company. It just meant that they didn't feel like that was the spot for them. And then we have had people that have just left the company and said, you know, this just isn't for me. I don't want to ha- I don't want to have goals. I don't want to be held accountable. Can I just show up, punch in, punch out and go? Well, that's just not our culture. So they left. But I think that the big advice I would have is do it. You know, I have the nickname of the purist, you know, do it like they say to do it. Try to stick to it and stay true and don't don't deviate. If you don't run a good level 10 meeting, it's going to squirrel into nowhere. If you don't do 90 day check ins, people are going to squirrel off. And somehow you're going to find a way to go back to where you were. You have to stay to it. And, and I can see it from my friends that have done EOS. Some of them, believe it or not, I have no idea. I, I watched a couple companies quit and I watched one company dissolve when they stopped doing EOS where the partners quite honestly separated. One partner bought out the other. When the funny thing was EOS is what they were about to do that. They got engaged with each other and they grew out of sight. And then they decided, yeah, let's save some, some money here and let's not do EOS. Well, then one partner left the other. And it was blatantly right in front of your face. You could see it because they weren't on the same page anymore. Mm-hmm. So do it, stay pure to it. And if you do that, uh, I don't know how you can fail, you know, from my perspective. Yeah. So I appreciate that, of course. So Eric, thank you very much for your time. We are super grateful. Where is the best place for our listener to learn more about you, about your company? How can they get in touch? Well, I'm not a big social media person. I don't have Facebook. Yeah, it's just not my thing. <laughs> I have LinkedIn and I should look at it more. I'll try to look at it. So uh, there's LinkedIn. You know, our uh, our website is uh, www.knightwatch. It's night with a K. So knight and shining armor watch.net. People miss the .net. My email is elinsley, L-I-N-D-S-L-E-Y at nightwatch.net if, if they, they want to get a hold of me for any reason. That's awesome. So Eric, Thanks again, and thanks for being on the show. Hey, thanks a lot, Mark. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the podcast. I hope you got value from today's episode. Remember to ask yourself, how long will you wait until you demand the best for yourself? How long will you wait until you live your ideal life, the EOS life?